You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, I'm going to ask you a question, and you win a prize if you answer. If Correct. I answer, or okay. <laughs> what day is it? Sunday. <laughs> Wrong. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> Why do you ask? Because you just wrote. If you go to sidtalk.com, I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to change it. No. Well, it'll be right tomorrow. Um, you go to sidtalk.com and look at your latest article about your Sunday shopping bonanza with the with the nice photograph and the big write up, <laughs> and it mentions Sunday several times. Yeah. It's actually. I even posted on Facebook. It's Saturday. It is Saturday. It is, but you think it's Sunday. Uh, it's I did this, think it was Saturday. It's this Sunday. doing the podcast, uh, watching a movie. It just feels like Sunday. Because we've done it for so long. Kinda. Kinda, yeah. It's just like a lazy Sunday day where we watch a movie and chill chill out. So, But then I just gained a day of my life without even realising it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> in a while, you'll know what the real day is. I don't even care, to be honest. Unless I have to be somewhere on a particular day. You can take the calendar and just keep it away from me. Clock and calendar can go straight to heck. Unfortunately, on a Sunday, you have to be at work. That's not unfortunate. It is, because we we can't watch a movie and be together like this and do a podcast. But we just did it. We did. So why would we want to do it two days in a row? No, I'm just saying. I don't think it's unfortunate to work on a Sunday. It's awesome. No people in khakis and tucked in shirts and puffed up attitudes. I love it. And uh, you bought me a t-shirt today. And I did. I, I really like it. I did. It's, it's got a, a game controller on the front. Nintendo specifically. Game controller. Old school. actually the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. The NES controller. Not the Super Nintendo. The NES. The old one. That was part of my Sunday shopping trip. It was. On Saturday. I went and looked at clothes for myself. Uh, tried on a bunch of stuff. You know, fashion isn't for me. Right now, as I sit here, what am I wearing? I'm wearing like a 10-year-old t-shirt. With a hole in the shoulder. has a hole in the shoulder, hole in the back. It's got a big rip in the bottom. It has some tested fabric paints on it, so there's a big eyeball and there's a big mouth. It's all sloppy and weird, and it's got paint wipings on it, and I'm wearing a skirt that's 30 years old almost. I don't even think that's a skirt. It's to me, <laughs> it's a piece of material. Exactly. It's, got, it's held together <laughs> with safety pins. It's got a great big... See, I wear this out in public. Pocket. It's got a big, huge... Yeah, it used to be a pocket. Now it's just a hole where you can access yeah. my leg <laughs> all the way down to my knee. Um, so when I look at clothes, and I start trying Those them on... Those shoes are fashionable. My shoes are awesome, but look at the socks. I'm wearing, like, indoor... Yep. The kind of socks that have that rubber stuff on the bottom. They're not really oh, socks. Oh, is that what they are? Yes. Nice. I didn't even want to bother to change my socks. So, when I shop for clothes, I'd rather buy you something. And just maybe order me 20 more of these. There it is. <laughs> your, your burning has completed. That's, um, tea's ready. <laughs> but that's it. That was my Sunday slash Saturday shopping trip. That's before the after the show discussion. And the alarm told us to stop. That's probably five minutes in. I said, no, three minutes in. I told you in about three minutes. Five, three to five minutes, it'll be burned. All right, so uh, the, this is after the show. And what is after the show, Sid Talk? After the show is a weekly discussion that you and I have after watching a movie. Is it a pod? No. Is it a podcast? We're not even in a pod. We're in a room. <laughs> 
It is a podcast, but I just think of it as a recording, and it's just delivered in the form of a podcast. A it podcast. could be anything. If you've got a podcast and you call it a pod, <laughs> this is a you can't be asked saying podcast. This is like, a personal pet peeve of yours. Yeah, podcast is an abbreviation. Oh, well, it's some weird made-up word anyway. And you have to shorten it down to pod, because podcast is what? Too much for you. Well, shame on you. Say the real thing. Say the whole thing. Because <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's annoying. I hate the pod. All we're doing is, is to a pod. recording our discussion, and then what we do is put it on the internet, and that people can listen to it. And you and I are married, so that's um, the, that's the relationship. A, and we've actually, the third the third host this week is the dog that's barking right outside the window. Hold on. It shuts up as soon as we go quiet. Uh, yeah, there's a dog barking outside the window, so he can be the third host. Um, welcome, Mr. Dog. Or Miss Dog. There, there he is. We can be sexist. It could be a horrible... Well, we don't mind the dogs themselves. We mind the owners that leave the poor dogs barking and like crazy outside all alone in the dark. In the cold and the hot or whatever. Yes. So that is it. That's in a nutshell for any first time listeners. Alright, so it is Saturday, March the 3rd, 2012. And this is after the show number 213. We've actually recorded 213. You can listen to them all at www.ascully.com. Technically, we've recorded 212. We've just begun number 213. I'm just a wife. I have to correct you. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, the movie we're listening... No, we're not listening. That'd be a good one. This week, the movie we listened to... Yeah, we just sat and And then next week, we're only going to watch. We're going to mute it. Actually, off topic. Uh, this, <laughs> this week, we were reading about the... Um, British TV license. You have to in in England. You need you have to have a TV license. You pay it to you pay money to the government to watch television because television, the BBC, most people will have heard of, is a government-funded channel. I mean, the government owned the BBC. For Americans, that would be the equivalent of our government telling us or forcing us to contribute to PBS. So, an interesting just. Quickly, an interesting fact we found out this week when we went and looked at the British TV license website was if you're blind, <laughs> you get not you don't get your TV license for free if you're blind. No, 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 no. You get 50% off because you can still hear it. <laughs> that's so rude. Oh, my God. That's, I, that was I a... said, imagine a meeting, if you will. They get 50% of the entertainment value. Therefore, we should at least charge them 50%. They have 50% of their senses. <laughs> So let's take no. 50%. No, they yeah, have like 80% of their senses. But anyway, uh, yeah, 50%. And then the, I liked, I particularly liked it. You can actually go to the British uh, TV website. It's funny because there's a, there's a section for students. Yeah. And everybody knows students have got no money. And the way they pitch it towards the students is actually quite funny. Like, mm-hmm. it's like they pitch it in this, oh, too the friendly. students will understand this because we're way too familiar. We're like one of them, the way we're, the way we're talking. But no, you're not. You're Mr. Government trying to get money off the students. They don't even let the students have a break, actually, do they? The students have to pay, but they will do it in installments of uh, five pounds mm-hmm. a week. It's hilarious, actually, how they um, try and get the money off them. <laughs> so, uh, the movie we're uh, looking at this week is London Boulevard. This is a Blu-ray release. It's a 2010 movie. Only just made it to Blu-ray. Two two years, yes. Interesting. Um, it's... It's released on Blu-ray on the 21st of February, so it came out this week. It's uh, rated R. The tagline for the movie is, Not every criminal wants to be one, which I think is actually a pretty good tagline. 
and it's from Sony. So thanks to Sony for sending us the Blu-ray, and we are going to review the Blu-ray, and you're going to start with the synopsis. Not every criminal wants to be one. (laughs) That's my synopsis. A dude gets out of prison, he's kind of a hard man, It's potential to be... Is it called the mob in England? Not really. No. Syndicate, or, I mean, does it have a name that organized criminals? Just organized crime. I mean, it's basically organized crime is there's a thug who runs part of the city. He's got other thugs who go to apartment buildings and businesses, just like Tony Soprano, and extorts money out of people. Yeah, kind of like debt collector. But this guy just looks like, from what you get, he's supposed to be a criminal guy. He's obviously wanting to, you know... Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Kind of guy. Gets out of prison wants to mm-hmm. go straight. Do you want me to do the synopsis? That's it. All right, so... Uh, God, that duck. London Boulevard. So distracting. So London Boulevard, um, you know, uh, didn't really know much about this movie, actually. I did see a trailer for it some time back, but it really was some time back. Like I said, this is two years it's took to get it. Um, it was quite successful in the UK, Apparently, but I don't know how much of a theatrical release it got here. Um, so let me say, I love uh, a good British movie, and this is kind of—it um, is a British movie. I was going to say it's kind of a well, it's an American director, American writer, a British uh, caper. Um, so what does that make it? I don't know. It's kind of like a mix of Hollywood and a British movie at the same time, right? I don't think having a British cast instead in England makes it a British movie. No. But it doesn't come across fully as a British movie to me either. It, the way the sensibility of it's slightly different. I what mean, was that other one we just watched recently with the chick and the? She was like, oh, I can't remember. It had a similar vibe, and I completely forgot about it till just this second. But I'll think of it. The chick, a woman, kind of hot and sexy. Is it my is um, Daniel Craig? Is it, it my thingy for the? Is it, it's one of my things, isn't it? It's that one. Yes, it was. Yeah, yep, yeah. you're right. So. um... Yeah, and a similar vibe, Yeah, too. absolutely. But, so, I actually quite enjoyed it. I really I, enjoyed I, it. I, have to, I do have to say, though, that I don't think it will be for everybody. True. I don't want to spoil... I don't spoil it. But, I think it's a, definitely a slow burn. I like that about movies, mm-hmm. though. Some people won't, right? You know they won't. Because it takes its time to get to its, you know, meat, meat of the movie. Um, there's some questionable things about it. That's why it's not it's not elevated for me as to like it's amazing or anything. Some questionable, some dialogue I didn't like, mm. some acting I didn't like in parts, but some really exceptional acting in other parts. Absolutely, is it a bit a little bit uneven for me? Let's say, but overall, I actually really enjoy it. But I do enjoy it, like especially a East End mm-hmm. hard man story. Um, you know, this has got everything, all the elements, you know, like bad guy, really bad guys, um, people to root for, anti-hero, um, you know, glamorous ladies. Um, Is she? Well, the sister, not the not the actress. Yeah, she, uh, yeah well, yeah, Kira Knightley's not my cup of tea, to be honest. Um, she's like a skeleton, actually. She really is like a skeleton, like, uh, it's kind of off-putting sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's got all the... And just for people who don't know us, I am not a skeleton. <laughs> I mean, she's way past, like, she's... she's it's uncomfortable. Like, she's like a coat hanger. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I liked it a lot because this actual story is very good, I think. Absolutely, it's not a, it's not a new story. No, it's absolutely it's the same a, as so many things, but it's, it's quite formulaic. Uh, yeah, and it's quite a couple of moments that make me that gave me the that elevated it for me. If there were some weaknesses, there were like three moments when I absolutely the scene at the table with the dudes absolutely made it like holy shit when Colin Farrell's laying it on the line there. So, oh, yeah, that's really that good. absolutely, like, oh my god. And then Ben Chapin, absolutely fantastic. Chaplin. Is it Chaplin? Correct. No, it's Ben Chapin. Chapin? Yeah. Is it? I think so. I thought he was Chaplin. I always thought he was Chaplin. Well, it might be, but I thought. You mean it was the Chaplin. guy from Birthday Girl? Uh, isn't that him? Yes. That's Chaplin. Ben Chaplin. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. he. I'll trust you. Yeah, but not going on to the cast yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there is a good... The cast does... I mean, I'm saying the moment... There are moments that it just... It, it is so entertaining and engrossing because of these people. That's what I liked about it. There are some really good, uh, you know, actorly scenes, actually. Um, and there also are... So, you know, it's quite violent in parts. It does... But a lot of these movies burst into violence. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, this is... Uh, the guy who wrote The Departed wrote the screenplay for The Departed um, which it, you know, was also a uh, gritty kind of violent thriller Um, with the whole thing, heroes, anti-heroes yeah, and The Departed was actually a movie before it was The Departed it was called Infernal Affairs and it was a uh, Japanese movie oh, Um, was that? so The Departed is not an original movie anyway but William Moynihan screenplayed The Departed. It turned it into an American movie. Um, so this movie here, he, uh, you know. Okay, you are correct. It is Ben Chaplin. Yeah, I know. You don't always. I've known him all my life. <laughs> really? Of close and personal. Yeah. I mean, I've watched him. Um, so, yeah, the guy, the guy who directs it, this is one of the flaws I have for the movie. I sometimes think he's trying too hard to do like what Guy Ritchie does. Um, make make it kind of cool by putting old music in there. Yes. Now, I like that because Tarantino does it. And it's one of the things I like about movies. The right music in the right place get, actually creates a... I don't know what it is to me. It actually makes the hairs on my neck stand up. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Tarantino's done it to me a lot. Paul Thomas Anderson does it to me every time. Um, this was like trying a little bit too hard yep. with that. Even it doesn't always go with the moment. No, it doesn't. But the soundtrack is really good. Uh, he uses a lot of um, 60s music. You know, you'll you'll recognize it. Um, and he also uses some current day music like Cas- Caspian, um, which sounds like 60s music. But it has this, that lends it to this East End vibe, you know, because that's the kind of music that we associate with the Cray Twins and the East End gangsters and stuff like that. So it... It works in one respect, but there's, there's scenes where I'm like, oh my... There's a scene where Colin Farrell drives in a Rolls Royce and it's just this cool-looking scene. It doesn't really need to be there and they play some music. It just seems really trying... No, I disagree with that it shouldn't be there, but the music did make it feel a bit corny. The corny. scene was absolutely necessary because it's a thinking moment and we're trying to establish that he's a thinking person. He likes his Well, downtime. let me tell you that about then. The, the music... No, I don't take it back. I'm not oh. telling you what to think. I'm saying I disagree. No, I'm just saying the music pointless. over the top made it 
uh, and, and he did it several times. Indulgent. He, he didn't break down into like people walking in slow motion with the music, which I, um, I'm you know thankful for because that's old hat, isn't it? And Guy Ritchie does that quite. If it's a bit. done right, it's great. If it's not, you feel like you. Ugh, yeah, it's kind dummy of dummy uh, down. I mean, Guy Ritchie's done that stuff, and and it's good. But this guy, I felt he was trying a little bit too hard with the music and the um, trying to be really exceptionally cool. And this is not what London is like either. It's like a romanticized kind of version of London. It's actually a lot worse than this. Oh, is it? Yeah, this makes it, it feel pretty... kind of clinical almost to me. Like. Um, yeah, that looked really dirty and gross. I thought it kind of looked... It, it made it look really nice to me. Like, it didn't look rough enough. Hmm. London hmm. looks a bit worse than... I mean, because... I'm not from there, so to me it looked pretty hard. And this movie was filmed on film, and he used Technicolor, as we found out, so it's kind of heightened a little bit. He's got style going. Um, I really liked how it looked. He did some awesome shots. There's some really good shots. And he's a first-time director, this guy. So, um, but there again, he had that really experienced DP guy, didn't he? Yeah. Who we saw in the in the extras. Um, so yeah, there was some really nice shots. It looked really nice. Definitely framed and set up. But yeah, it's not a perfect movie because it, it was uneven. Um, there what was, else? What else didn't you didn't? What else made it dip for you? Very few things. What I've already mentioned, I think. Any specific scene that made you roll your eyes? Nothing made me roll my eyes. It was just. I felt there were scenes that were maybe a bit too long on occasion. There were scenes where they weren't hundred percent necessary. I don't know. That's that's how I felt. I liked the script though, but there was some really clumsy dialogue where I was kind of like, nobody speaks like that. Not even East. Oh, true, absolutely you know? true. It's just that it had this combination of philosopher, criminal, redemption kind of thing you know what I mean where you've got unforgiven modern day bad guy wants to be a good guy or doesn't want to be a good guy just wants to get on with things existential very existential concept so when you throw in a few moments basically all you're doing are presenting conceptual things to the audience you're not really having dialogue between the people you're just presenting some concept that you want to get out there or something that he has thought about and now we want to put it out there so we kind of know it. and you can feel that he, I said, he said he was then, inspired by Sunset Boulevard obviously with, with it. I mean in, I've never seen that but it's, but then you have the actor in the movie who is an actor and a lot of the scenes I felt this was happening and were, were from him but then I'm thinking he's a washed up wastes his life doing nothing and could be so self-indulgent and of himself that that could be the way he is, and I accepted those scenes. But yeah, I know what you're saying. My favourite line from the movie, our favourite thing, was they were driving in the car, and uh, Kira Knightley says to uh, Colin Farrell about, um, what do you want from life? And he says, a, uh, something, something to read and a bed. Something she, to eat. And she says, you had that in prison. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because like, he, 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 like, he kind of goes... Yeah. He what, was re- what I'm a searching for, really. Yeah. And he was content. Yeah, exactly. And out, out here in the real world, it's just uh, a nightmare. Everything's a nightmare for him. Like, it's one thing on top of another. He has, like, you know... Yeah. Part, best elements for me, and I didn't really dig the Kira Knightley character, but me his either. sister was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, not talking about the cast, just talking about the character of his sister. Absolutely. She was uh, this... 
and he loved her and it was a messed up relation I mean she was off the rails and he was trying to rein her in but he knew he couldn't so he just kind of helped where he could accepts her for who she is yeah and uh, well, that's another one of my absolute top three moments was him and the doctor on the bench. But knows exa- he knows exactly what she is and he won't, he's not scared to tell somebody this is what she yep. is. Um, I wouldn't bother with her if I was you because you'll just get her. Don't. I like that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. From the that's moment, one of my favorite. And she was. That character is, because I have a sister who's a bit or used to be 100% self. Yeah. There is only me. And in the moment, I will say or do or whatever I have to do to get exactly what I want. Like, exactly what I want. And I have had that in myself to a degree, but I've never been as out about it. And this character kind of reminds me of that person who's damaged or hurt, and yet she is... (laughs) You don't want to like her. Like, I don't want to like her because I know she's destructive and terrible. But she's... It could be also the actress, but you just feel like... Let her be. Like, you know, if if you are warned before she comes into your life that this is what you're going to deal with, fair enough. Hopefully, <laughs> you can see what's coming. But, yeah, I thought she was absolutely one of my favorite and things. And I, I think she was very well written. See, that is another uneven thing. She was very well written because I got her completely from the few scenes. She's not in a lot of scenes. She's in a few scenes. Um, but then there's, like, Kira Knightley's character and the uh, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. connection between her and uh, Farrell. It was a bit too quick and convenient for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I wasn't in it. Like, I wasn't like, oh yeah, okay. That that's. I knew it was going to happen, and I was like, okay. It was a bit quick. It's funny when you think about it. When someone says, that's your sister, or that's my brother, we as an audience, and like listening to a story, we already... we. Instantly accept a lifelong relationship. Yeah. We've we've established we don't know what kind of relationship or what's been going on, but now we go. Oh, these people have known each other forever, and you've seen movies where brother and sisters don't quite they don't pull it off. But in this, I absolutely bought it. Yeah, because literally like, her first scene and him yeah. is him <laughs> protecting her. Like absolutely. like you know, well, not just that. I'm big brother. I'm here to make sure you not don't just completely. That. But, like, I don't know. I just felt like they really did a good job in the character of Keira Knightley, the actress who's afraid of stuff. I actually think it would have been better if it wasn't her. I'm not a huge Keira Knightley fan. You already have the, like, No, I just don't think she's very good. I don't think she delivers on anything that's deep because she's too super... She's too... She's too... Actressy about it, not actorly, as in over dramatic. She's too, with the shoulders and the sleeves over the fingers and the girly things. I mean, it's too much, too actressy, and I I wasn't a fan of that. Plus, I don't, I'm just not, I don't get I, it. I, I don't think she's. There's good. nothing Kara Knightley has done for me where I'm in awe of it. At all, you know, she's obviously in Paris, the Caribbean, things like that. She's fine. It could have been anybody, though, for me. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to see that because Kira Knightley's in it. It's, it's never been like that. I've never seen the serious ones that she's been in. No, and probably because um, we don't like her that much, so we kind of stay I'm neutral. And... I don't dislike her. I'm just really neutral. Right. And this didn't help. <laughs> her character I'm more interested in, the concept of that whole thing, but she made it blah. So that's why I'm saying... If you put a different act, if you'd swap the actresses around, I think you, I think that character would have been better. 
Uh, and no spoilers for this movie. I don't want to spoil this no, movie because no. it is kind of a good one. But um, I like I liked the plot. Let me just say that. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I turned to you and said something. I don't want to spoil it. No, do if I not. say that I like yeah. such and such, then you would. Um, but no, I liked how it overall is. Um, so moving on to the cast here, we've got Colin Farrell as Mitchell. Um, now Colin Farrell, he has to be an East End dude in this, and uh, you know I can really pinpoint accents from Britain. Most people, you're Amer- British. That's acceptable. Americans probably can't, um, but Colin Farrell's Irish, and the Irish accent. I know, I know he went. I just watched an interview with him actually. Um, his Irish accent leaks out of this East End character quite a bit. And I just watched an interview with him about London Boulevard, and he said, his, his words were, quote him, I'm sorry about the accent. I went to a decent decent dialogue coach, but I'm not very good at it. Oh, well, so even he knows he wasn't. <laughs> um, and to someone like me, I don't give a shit. I mean, it's not fine to me. He does try, but he doesn't sound like a Cockney boy at all to me. Like, it, like he tries. I guess you could say, well, that goes along with his character a little bit because he doesn't want to be that anymore. So you could give him a little could, bit of space, but, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty. As long but, as he admits, but it, actually, yeah. he's good. I, I like him a lot. Oh, me too. Um, and I think he's an underrated actor, to be honest. I, I don't hear people going on about him all the time, and he does like some. He's kind of like. I was going to say he's kind of like Johnny Depp. He does kind of fringy stuff, but Don, Johnny Depp doesn't do fringy stuff anymore. He does Pirates of the Caribbean for Christ's sake. But he's kind of he picks and he does different stuff. Colin Farrell. If you look at his library of work, it's lots of. He did Fright Night recently, like a horror film. He's done this. He does. He doesn't always play the same dude. He does tend to play bad guys though. Um, but I think he did well here. Here, apart from the horrible accent, bosses, which is hilarious. You know, there you go. There's something that's like you know crazy caricature. Yeah. So, uh, did you like him? Yeah. Uh, that's it. I'm saying my favorite moment, two favorite moments in the entire movie were scenes where he's talking. I mean, just saying, laying out some really interesting things. And you I just, just got to, if you're, like, like, <gasps> if you're British, you already know he's Irish. So you just get, have to get over that. Um, so Keira Knightley plays Charlotte. Um, yeah, we've talked about her just recently. Um, she could have, I think there's better people. Absolutely. Uh, to be that character in this movie. And I think if you'd have put somebody else in that character in this movie, I think it might have been a better movie, to be honest. Like, I agree. Completely. Uh, so, yeah, that's bad. But Anna Friel, who's... I've, I told you before, I've had a crush on Anna Friel since I was 13 years old, when Aww. she was in Brookside, <laughs> which was a soap opera in Britain, a, a Liverpool soap opera. And she was a teenager at the time in Brookside, and she had this... She was a teenager who had a lesbian relationship in Brookside. It was kind of a controversial thing at the time. Um, and I've always been a fan of her since then, and we've seen her in stuff. Um, she was in... She's been in lots of stuff. Uh, what, did we see, what did we see her last in? Um, Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell. Um, Correct. But she don't crop up that much in American stuff for me. I don't really notice her. I know she's in a lot of British films, but um, she was literally the best thing in this movie. I think. I don't know. Her I think it's Chaplin, partially the character. Her and Chaplin tie the characters of their characters and the way they did them. Absolutely, both of them steal the show for me. So Anna Friel's in there. If you're a fan of Brookside from the '80s, you will recognize her. She's not changed that much, to be honest. Uh, so uh, Ben Chaplin plays Billy Norton. Um, she was also in something where she was like 
wasn't she also in the was it the time one or something else where he come some a dude comes back to see her and she's all she's all like looking really yeah. scraggly hereafter oh yeah that was it no not hereafter limitless limitless that is it oh yeah, yeah that's right yeah, she yeah. was in that yeah um so yeah, she uh, she's I really like her a lot, and this is definitely a good part for her. Um, so Ben Chaplin is Billy Norton. This is not the Ben Chaplin you. It's a really e- interesting, different character to what he normally plays. Absolutely fantastic, and he does pull off a London accent really well. He doesn't just pull it off. It was like they went out and got this dude who's like this shyster, full of shit, desperate wannabe, and just said, "Here, we're going to put you in a movie." Say, so, I mean, he was absolutely. It's a tie-in for me. Who, which of them, Anna Friel or him? He like, was fa- it was as far from Ben Chaplin as you can imagine. Like his whole persona was not because Ben Chaplin is kind of reserved and seems to semi posh. I mean, like the way he, I mean, he portrays a lot of characters like that. But he's he was absolutely amazing. He's I, like an Essex. I would like, like to think he got boy. some kind of award for that or something because it was ama- awesome, absolutely awesome. And then we've got Mr. Ray Winstone playing Gant, the uh, bad guy. And let me start this one. I think Ray Winstone's way overrated. Uh, I love Ray Winston. I know you do. I'm um, just that's why I wanted to start by saying he just Indiana does Jones what he does. for not included. I he just says what he says with like a bully attitude, and occasionally he raises an eyebrow. And that's it. I mean, he is what he is. I just think he's overrated. He does take a lot of the same roles, also because somebody said he's good at doing the bad guy or whatever, the East End bad guy. He's um, physically imposing to people, I think. I think he's. I think some of the scenes he he's, he scares the shit out of you. Exactly. This. Just from what I mean, all I'm saying he's not a bad actor. Like when he's. Yeah, <laughs> when they were kind of spitting at each other in each other's faces. Yeah, and uh, and. But that doesn't make him good to me. No, but I, I enjoy watching him as and uh, that you know. I'm not surprised to see him in a role like that because I obviously he's drawn to them. Or somebody tells him he's good at them, he is. Um, Is I like, or is he just being what he is? That's what I say about certain people. How is it good for somebody to just come and say really intense lines without any variation or without a lot of? To me, the the moments that something got brought out in him more were the doctor, you know. That kind of elevated him a little bit, and then a couple with Colin Farrell, and with Ch- everything was because the other person was was a uh, lighten him up a little bit. Other than that, when he's just being the bully, it's really boring to me. First of all, I can't always understand him. Not because I don't understand British accents; I understand them fine. He he mumbles really bad, and I think some people mistake that for intensity. I don't know. So, other than a couple, which is like war. The war, remember that one, and uh, War Zone, or whatever it was called with the family. A couple others, but I'm just saying. Nil by mouth. Fantastic, but also, in context, excellent movie. And he plays a really good he was asshole. was Nil by mouth. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the yeah. complete asshole. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he does that really well, but that's what I'm saying. Is it bringing out an ass? Just like you're the guy you used to like, and now you know he's crazy, is Tom Sizemore. Yeah. He plays those crazy motherfuckers really good. But is that really good acting, or is that someone just sort of unleashing sort of a, a really bad side of themselves? I don't know. So, um, yeah, where Ray Winston's in there. Eddie Marsden is in there, too, as D.I. Bailey, who I love that guy. And he's, <laughs> he's got this cheeky... I mean, he's this, he's this misguided policeman in here who's kind of 
a shyster of his own accord, but he's got this kind of charm about him. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, kind of, kind yeah. of like sad sacky almost. Yeah, out of time, out of date. Yeah. Um, what was he another time? Happy people or whatever it was called. Yeah, happy go lucky is the driving instructor. Yeah. yeah, that one was more of a showcase for him. But I mean, yeah, you see him and does he does exactly he does a better job than Ray Winstone in my opinion. And finally, I'd put down David um, <laughs> Thuis as jo- uh, Thuis as Jordan, who um, I think is an amazing actor. I've loved him since uh, Naked, the movie Naked. Did you ever see? I, I don't so. think you ever saw Naked. It's a fantastic movie. It's a showpiece for this actor. It's his. It's his movie. Right. Um, he plays this weird guy. You are. You have to see it. Yeah, I will. It's. I've got it. He plays kind of a weird guy in this one. And he does. It's very similar. I feel like. Um, it's the most indulgent part. It is. However, but it makes complete sense. Absolutely. When you take into context that he was an actor, I was hanging around with this rich actress, and they've got nothing to do except pity themselves and get high all day and be very but he's got the dark side so I liked that oh you really have to see naked mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, uh, I have to see you naked I'm sorry what was that you said it's a <laughs> tour de force for that guy literally the like if that guy never made another movie again just made that movie you would remember the shit out of it because it's it's so good you know what I mean he's really good it's, uh, it's, the, it's one of the oddest movies I've ever seen too it's really odd I've just talked it up for you so this is uh, directed by William Moynihan, uh, who also, he's never directed a movie, it's his first time, but he did write The Departed, he wrote Body of Lies for t- uh, Ridley Scott, I believe, right? Or is it Tony? And he also wrote Edge of Darkness, the Mel Gibson movie that was out a couple of years ago, which has, was actually a really good movie. I disagree. I liked it. Um, so he does write good thriller stories, um, and I think this, this is a good story too. And, you know, for a first-time directing, actually, a movie. It actually turned out pretty good, apart from a few of the sloppy things that I uh, dislike. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a directing problem, or... I don't know. Could be. But he wrote it as well, so... Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, I mean, he had control of how yeah. it came about, so... I mean... But, like I say, it's... Um, for me, it's an uneven movie... Yet, I really enjoyed myself. Like, I, well, you know, it had a mixture of everything. And I think, in a funny way, the in- individual parts of it make it better for me than what, but I don't know, I look back on it, I have a really good time watching it. I wasn't overwhelmed by the violence because it felt appropriate, I'd say, almost every time, except for the, that yeah, seems like, it's not. that seemed like, okay, we get it. He's an asshole. You know what I mean? That was a little too much. But other than that, brief moments of, well, you would say punctuated. You know, certain moments are punctuated with a, a punch or a push or a kick. Or a glass in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it felt, it didn't feel like, oh, okay, you know. So, um, overall, kind, though. kind of like that, uh, if you're thinking of, like, where you have to, where you, where punctuated scenes with violence train spotting is a prime example of that you know Begbie's character yeah exactly he, he you're kind of uncomfortable and then something shit and you don't know what's gonna happen and then boom yeah, yeah exactly like that that's that's the kind of vibe I got from this like he wanted to put you in like a lull for a while because and then all of a sudden bang like and he does hit you with 
And you go, hardcore shit every so often. <laughs> and you kind of feel it. It's very visceral, some yeah. of the things that happen. But not overly graphic. Nope. No, don't that is That is a thing. When we say it's violent, it, it's not like lingering on violence. No, no. It, it, it's quickly over and done with. No like. big long fight scenes, which I also get bored by, but... So, um, DVD or Blu-ray extras in this case uh, are just... It's just one Blu-ray extra, and it's the making of London Boulevard. It's like a 22-minute uh, featurette. It's actually a pretty good one, because it's... Mostly the director talking, which is good, about his process of writing, and and then you get a lot of some some on the scene stuff, and everybody in the movie, like we said, yeah. talks in this in this. Um, no one's so precious that they can't take no, time to talk. <laughs> Most of them, in fact, uh, talk. I didn't. Anna Friel didn't know, did she? Yes, she did. Did she? Yeah, she said she had like three or four different cutaways. So yeah, everybody does then. Um, I liked it. Um, obviously. It, could do with a commentary but there isn't one so i don't think we're getting one we might have you might have to learn to accept that commentaries might be going away i think yeah i think most extras are kind of going away it's like there's less extras on stuff nowadays um unless it's like a super duper collector's edition or something where they really load it up so um yeah that's it uh, so in conclusion i enjoyed myself got nice fr- nice um, movie you know i always like a british movie a lot of British peeps in it, and my British peeps were in there. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's London, it's not Manchester. No, but British peeps, you know what I mean? Not, I mean, we see a lot of American movies, sure. we see less British movies. Um, I'm not saying this is a 100% British movie, because I don't think it is. Uh, but it is filmed in Britain. And full of all British actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, London Boulevard. And apparently... Was anyone an American faking a British accent? No. No, no. No, I'm glad they didn't do that as yeah. well. Um, so, yeah, that's London Boulevard, uh, recommended by us. Um, so, I've got a new this, uh, contest coming up at the end of this week. Actually, on the... It'll actually be on Monday. Uh, so, if you want to win a copy of... Os- I think it won an Oscar. We're going to talk about the Oscars a little bit later. But um, The Descendants. If you want to win a copy of The Descendants on DVD... You can enter a contest. If you go to ascully.com on Monday, you will find the contest then. Because apparently I can't run it until Monday. So uh, that's when I will be running it. So win a copy of George Clooney in The Descendants on DVD. Just come back on Monday. Um, Anything else? Uh, Next week's Blu-ray review will be Columbus Circle on Blu-ray. Starring Mr. Jason Lee. Who we've not seen for a while. We have not. Um, So yeah, that will be Columbus Circle next week on Blu-ray. Same time, same place, same bat channel. Um, So what's this game that we play every time at this... this... Right. That line. And what is this game to new (laughs) listeners? To new listeners and old, if you haven't quite got the concept yet. Right. That line. And right is spelled R-I-G-H-T. You gotta see it to get the joke whatever it's not really a joke is it but you give me a, one of us gives the other one a famous line from a movie like a notoriously iconic line from a movie you either say it correctly or incorrectly and the other person has to decide if it's correct or incorrect and the point of it is you think you know lines from movies like by heart really you know famous famous ones you know but if someone tweaks it just a little bit it might make you question it, or you've been wrong your whole life. So you um, talking to me? You talking to me? You must be talking to me because I'm the only one here. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. It's, it's not my turn. It's your turn. 
So uh, I am giving you the line this I week. I didn't sing a song, sorry, but... And uh, we'll just make it different this week. You can read the line, even though I'm giving oh, it to okay. you. okay. I will do it. And the line is... Uncover the line. Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? What movie is it from first? Oh my god, I can like see the... <laughs> now that I've met we would... Oh my god. What is it? We don't want to waste the people's time. Magnolia. Right? Who is it? John C. Riley and uh, the lady that... Oh my meets. god, that's right, that's right. Now that I've met you, would you object to know... Okay, I say it's correct. I say it's correct. Are you sure? That's my final answer. It is correct. <laughs> that movie. That's. It's I've also about it's also line. a line of the Amy Mann song that is in the movie. Now I don't know that that's iconic, and most people might not even know what we're talking about. But I it's know. I know that it was. So, oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Holy shit! Because she's so damaged. Oh. It's a it's a fantastic movie. If it you've is. not seen Magnolia, you should go and see it right now. It's a now. tour de force, and it's not for everyone. It can wear you down with the score and the movement. I've realized the last time we watched it, it I can see where some people would feel like like because that's the intention. I think if you want to feel something from a movie, watch yeah, it. You'll feel something. constantly <laughs> <laughs> intimidated, and like your head will be swirling from the music and the movement. And I mean, yeah, all right, awesome. I you did write of that line. I did. So movie recommendations for this week. I am going with two recommendations that I think are highly appropriate to this movie. Number one being Layer Cake, which um, if you Starring like it, Daniel Craig. Yeah, it's a similar kind of vibe to this movie. Very twisty, turny. Uh, don't know what's going to happen. Kind of movie. I um, recommend it highly. And the other one is Rock and Roller, which is one of Guy Ritchie's movies. One of Guy Ritchie's lesser-known movies, actually. But uh, also a, um excellent London gangstery type deal. Why are men so intrigued by assholes? I don't mean assholes. I mean... Well, that jer- as well. <laughs> I don't mean no. jer- <laughs> I mean, in life. Why is it interesting? I mean, I find movies and stories about people compelling. And yet, if you removed all the greedy, hateful, destructive assholes of the world, it would be a much better place. And yet... Men keep liking to tell the stories over and over. What What is it? You're a man. Know. You're a man. Answer for the your I don't entire know. gender. <laughs> but it is uh, intriguing. Mm. So what are your um, recommendations? Mine are Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Perils. Guy Ritchie movie. And then the other one was Smoking Aces. And do you want to know why? Because people smoked the shit out of this movie. They smoked constantly. Which was really annoying to me, but I felt like it was somebody somewhere going, I'm sick of people telling us that we can't have people smoking in the movies. So literally, like, every minute someone's smoking, which disgusts me. Absolutely disgusts me. It's very me. realistic. Though. It is realistic, but if I'm a, I do not hang around with people who smoke. Ever. On purpose. I despise it. I hate it. Don't hate people for smoking. I'm not skinny. I can't have people hate me for eating too much. But I'm saying I would never be around it in Maybe life. a cigarette company uh, sponsored this. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Because seriously. So, but Smoking Aces, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Again, both sort of criminal. A little bit of caricatures. There's a little bit of commie. Commie. Comedy. No commies. Commies. No commies. That was last week. Yeah. That was last week. <laughs> and then my other recommendation, just off the fly, off the side... 
because of this week, um, I don't know why, but something spurred me to think of the bride from Kill Bill digging herself out of that grave. I think you said you dreamed about it. I don't think I dreamed it. I don't know why it occurred to me, but I started thinking about it. Like, but in the movie, she's in there. I'm not, it's an older movie, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. But the first scene I'm thinking of was the toe scene. She can't move. She thinks her way into getting out of this, whatever, paralysis. And she's thinking her toe to move. Like, I dig that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in movies. Then the grave scene, for some reason, the determination of a person (laughs) in a fictional story to dig herself out of a grave, of a box in the ground buried under, and she does that... Thing with her hand, poke, punch, poke, punch, poke. Kick, punch is all in the mind. Uh, no, it's not a video game. <laughs> but she does that. Whatever they taught her, like punch it and poke it, and punch it and poke it. And then I thought of her digging her way out. And, you know, she cut. Then the next thing you see is her all dirty and muddy. And I just thought that's a fantastic character moment for me. So if so you want to just watch those scenes, fine. But I say watch the whole movie, Kill Bill and Kill Bill Two. Um, so, that's our recommendations this week. Games and Ace Scully stuff. First thing I wanted to mention was the Oscar ceremony, which we watched the day after the Oscars uh, took place. Which was interesting, because I had to stay clear from Oscar news. We'll just wait while you yawn. Why? You can keep talking, nobody knows I'm yawning until you tell them. I'm just saying how interested you are there. Uh, Take it for what it is. The Oscars. Um... (laughs) A fantastic ceremony this year, I think, because they actually paid tribute to the movies. The, the theme of it was the movies, not anything else. They actually had usherettes, if you call them that, in the oh, uh, audience. Going to the movies. Going to the movies. Yeah. Celebrating the movies. I liked the theme of it. I think it was streamlined. It didn't drag along. The only disappointment I have, I thought Billy Crystal was really funny. Very self-aware this year. He made comments. It was the good. one comment, the favorite comment, of course, should be. What can you love more than a bunch of millionaires giving each other golden statues? Because when you think about it, it's so ridiculous. And him saying yeah. it was like, yes, we uh, we all understand. It's a performance. Who cares? We and my favorite it. one was where the guy from the Oscars, the Academy, came out and right. talked. <laughs> and then Billy Crystal said, way to whip the crowd up into a, into a fever. Because <laughs> he was really boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, really, a monotone. And like, he's yeah. friends with him, so that's really yeah. funny. Uh, and uh, he um, sang a, a song at the beginning. He, um, when he when he had cameras pointing at the stars in the audience and he got to... to say what they're thinking. Yeah, who was the uh, Nick Nolte? Oh, right. and, he, and, he, and he's just made loads of. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Um, the only thing I was disappointed was there was only two original songs nominated this year, so there was no performances of songs at all, which is has been a feature of the Oscars for as far as I remember. But some say that's what makes it take too long. That's why they cut it out. I actually enjoy the songs. I know you do. But when you say it's been streamlined, that's part of what takes an extra 10 right, to 15 I, minutes. The thing I don't understand is two original songs yeah. were nominated. I don't... Uh, of know. all the movies made last yeah. year, in the There's whole world... There's only two original songs? Two original songs that were good enough for anyone to put yeah. in the pot? It was weird. That was weird. Uh, you all know who won the Oscars um, Hopefully at, at this by point. Now. Hugo won a lot of Oscars. Um, the artist won the best picture. You all know who won. Um... I, we hadn't seen many of them this year. We've got quite a few of them to come. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good performance. A good. It was you know, fun. 
It was, uh, and I said to you, it felt like it was over in an hour, yet it was two hours, 37 minutes, because it was like, wow, really? Watch that long. So, good, good. And I did stay away from news for a whole day. I didn't know who won, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't really have a problem with that. I don't, well, I don't indulge in... Well, I look at Twitter, news. and that, that could spoil it in 10 seconds. So I closed Twitter, and didn't look at it for 24 hours. Which, which worked. <laughs> I didn't look at Facebook either because I knew. to show you. You can live without those things. I knew friends, etc., would say, oh, yeah, yeah this is one or whatever. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was the Oscars. Um, enjoyable. Yeah. We can't agree or disagree or have any comments because we haven't seen all the movies. So, no, Chris. But one of your favorite movies, Drive, got nominated, didn't win for sound editing. Or yeah, something. I'm. I'm Ryan Gosling should have been got nominated. It, ben Chaplin should have been nominated for this freaking movie. I'm telling this you, was it was two years ago. This movie. I mean, for an Oscar, yeah. though. I mean, it was absolutely. I can't totally believe they, they kind of snubbed Drive, in my opinion. Drive was. I don't know. Well, like we said, I don't know if it, if they we even put it forward or whatever. But um, yeah, they, it was. If it, anyone listening here works for the Academy of Arts and Sciences or anything to do with the Academy or in the industry. Could you just let us know all the behind the how scenes it works? <laughs> how does it work? Because we know it's not all about quality. There's going to be thousands of other movies made every year around the world that are better than any of those that are up for Academy Awards. So if you could come on this podcast and <laughs> yeah. reveal all the industry exactly. secrets, we will uh, accept. Accept. Tell us about all the payoffs and the bribes and the you know. We'll give you a free copy of one DVD for the for the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that can of dusting spray over there that's half full. Yeah. All right, so um, games and A-Scully stuff this week. Uh, I've been playing SSX. It's the return of SSX. If you don't know what SSX is, it's a snowboarding game from, what, two, five years ago? Ten years ago. Uh, it was a PS2 game, wasn't yeah. it? A launch PS2 title, it was. The first one. Um, this is the return of SSX, and it is really fun. It will remind you of, if you remember, SSX Tricky, which was the sequel to SSX, and actually the best in the series. It went downhill from there. It's a it's a like a call back to SSX Tricky. It even has the Tricky Run DMC song. It's when you, tricky, uh, uh, but they've remixed tricky. it in this dubstep way, you know. Um, now I really like it, but here's my thing that I don't like. There's these new. It's like a campaign mode, and it's like a, a lame story mode that it doesn't need. It doesn't need a story. SSX. I mean, it's a snowboarding game. It doesn't need to be a story. It's got this lame story, and then it's got this campaign mode. Which you're beating these seven, uh, I think it's nine different descents, these deadly descents, they call them. Now, what happens is each one gets progressively harder by they add a different thing into the mix. Like one of them, it's pitch black, and all you've got is a little helmet on your light helmet, so you can barely see anything. Now, yeah, that makes it really hard because you can't see where you're going. Another one is they put a load of trees in the way, so you have to jump over trees all the time, and it's like. There's one where it's an avalanche. But aren't these just challenges? They are, but they're all it is. They're not in the game at all. And then you, uh, you're playing normally. It's like, okay, this level, you have to do a load of tricks. Cool, that's what SSX is about. This one, you have to race to the bottom before everybody else. That's what SSX is about. You're playing, you're having fun, and then they go, okay, and the next one is you have to... There's going to be an avalanche. While that sounds fun, it isn't. They're really, really, really difficult and so difficult compared to the rest of the game. They become frustrating. In fact, you saw us doing mm-hmm. one last night, which was um, I don't even know the I don't even know why this was occurring, but 
you can't see very far in front of you. It's almost like bad graphics, as we would call it, where the drawing distance isn't very good. You can only see, you know, 100 yards in front of you. So you're wearing this device that pings the landscape every few seconds, and then you can see, and then you can't, and then you can't, and then you can't, and then you can't. So it makes it really awkward going down the hill because you don't know where the turns are. Until you've done it 50 times. Yeah, exactly. It's not fun. You can fall off the edge into these big crevices. However, these added things you can skip. You can. But if if they keep telling you to skip stuff, like we, I was playing with my nephew, we were both handing it off, playing a little bit here and there. And we both looked at each other every time it said, do you want to skip? And said, no, we don't want to skip. That's why we're playing the game, right? We don't want to skip. Like, we're playing the game to get to the end, but not... If we can skip every level, what's the point in playing the game? It's not skipping every level. It's a level that you, you can skip across. every level. If you keep failing, it will tell you do you want to skip. And it asks you do you want to skip, literally, if you fail twice. It's, like, really quick. And it doesn't let you press a button to say, listen, I don't want to skip. Leave me alone. Never ask me again. It asks you every single time you fail. Which really gets annoying. It's like, I don't want to skip. I don't want to skip. don't want to skip. So that could have been integrated into a difficulty thing. On the hardest yeah. level, you could have asked, do you want to skip every time? On medium, they could have just made them easier. And on beginner, yeah. ask you all the time. Now, they didn't implement a difficulty level at all. You, what so you that's play, their difficulty yeah, level. Yeah, it is. Just to actually... Do you get to keep whatever you've gained by doing it 50 times? Like whatever points or uh, awards or money or whatever. If you fall off the edge and fall to your death, you don't get nothing. And that's what you mostly do when you're, when you're dealing with an avalanche or something. The reason you die is you don't see a corner and you end off off the edge of the It was nice you never die. No, you never died. You're and that was one snow. of the fun <laughs> things about SSX. And we realized quickly that the really fun levels where we were like, this is amazing, look at these tricks we're doing, are the ones where you can't die. There's no edge to the mountains. Right. And it's just huge jumps and fun. That's the fun. That's what SSX yeah. is. I always loved playing. It isn't fun when it when you can't see two feet in front of you and you're in a dark cave and you don't know if there's a corner and you ram into a wall. It's not fun. So if you're making another SSX after this one, ignore all the stupid story shit. Yeah, no story. And for me what's fun is you just... You get cra- some crazy slopes and some not crazy, maybe really long, maybe like, you know... Are there any that have constant railing? Or yes, that's loads called? of those. Yeah. And those are fun as hell. Like. Or, you know, use the track as your gimmick for each race, not stuff to add on top of it. Because, you know. So, luckily, after you've done... Well, not after you've... Any time. There's a career mode and there's also a free mode where there's 110 different tracks, which is a lot of tracks for SSX because it used to be 12. There wasn't very many, mm-hmm. actually. Just just a few. Now there's 110 different drops, as they call them, because they drop you in by helicopter and you go down to the bottom. Uh, And so there's a free mode where you can just pick them and you can do a trick or a race. You can choose any of the drops and say, I want a race or trick. And ignore all that deadly descent crap completely if you want to do it that way. That might be the way to go if you want to give it more longevity. I don't mind a story mode as in, I'm nothing in the beginning and I'm going to work my way right. to be better but I don't need a story around it I just need to be like you can see it in my character you know you can see that I don't have the fancy clothes and I don't have all the tricks and then as you go maybe the crowd cheers for you more or you see your face up on things yeah, as you go good. to you know just add to that but I don't need 
a tale about me. The story Because here then I is... want to go back and play as all the characters. I want to start as Zoe, and then I want to be the other one, and then I want to be the other guy, and go through their entire thing until I've maxed them out on everything. And around you, things can change. Like, it's evident that you're getting better. You're the star of the show. Maybe the commentary over the top starts being like, if you they could talk about you or something, you know, but don't... I, actually, one of the things of SSX was DJ Atomica, who used to be the DJ who talked all the time. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, hi, it's DJ Atomica here. The weather's icy. And- yeah. Yeah, well, he's in it, but only in the cutscenes of the story. He never makes an appearance in the game itself. He never talks over the top like he used to. Even if he did a really good trick, he would say, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it yeah, got a little annoying because it's so repetitive. But nowadays, you can put a million things on But there. they removed him and only put him in the cutscenes, and he does say, hi, it's DJ Atomica here, and he tells you this story. And the story's really lame. There's this one guy called Griff, and there's you lot who are Team SSX, and he's the best snowboarder in the world, and you are going to have to beat him. That is the story. It's I think you should only ever... I'm not a competitive person, though, so I don't care about beating someone else. I would only want my me to get better. And right. then in the end, beat my own times. Or they say, if you can do this track under five minutes, or you can do this... You know, that kind of stuff is fine with me. I don't need incentive to, like, have an arch nemesis or anything. And you do... Um, I mean, by having an arch nemesis. One of the big uh, new things on this game is the wingsuit So if you've ever seen, like, a wingsuit, Tomb Raider, uh, the second Tomb Raider movie had wingsuits, you can... Another movie started with a heist with that, didn't it? No, it was, like, in the middle of the movie where they No, another movie started started with a heist where they used spring squirrel suits or whatever they called, flying squirrels. So, yeah, there's a wingsuit in this game now, which you can equip, and then when you do a huge jump, you can deploy it and just glide over big portions of the track, missing them completely. Awesome if you're doing a race because you can, you can just fly. I thought you didn't like cheating. Well, it's not cheating because the it's in there, isn't it? If you're racing, as a snowboarder, well, they can do it too. You're not cheating. Everybody can do it. <laughs> I mean, but the the thing of the wingsuit is you can't just fly the entire race. It has a bar that goes right. down, and then then you can't fly anymore. Plus, you can rewind. Yes, you can rewind, which you could do in the last SSX. But in this one, when you rewind in a race, it doesn't rewind your your opponents it just it rewinds you so if you rewind at all you're probably going to lose so it's kind of pointless um but yeah that's ssx it's really fun um apart from some of the frustrating kind of pointless uh let's make this harder just for the sake of it uh it's fun when you're doing the tricks and stuff it's got a great soundtrack the graphics are a lot better than they used to be obviously this is the first time they've done it on a um next generation console uh, it was on the last one they did was on the Wii, which wasn't very good either. Um, so yeah, that's SSX. The other game I've been playing this week is Microsoft Flight. So if you if you know anything about PC games, you'll have heard of a game called Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's been a famous game over the years. Even you've probably seen me play Flight Simulator before. A little bit. It's uh, so what they've done with Flight Simulator for the latest one is they've it's free. So you can go to microsoftflight.com and download Microsoft Flight for your PC. It's a Microsoft Windows Live, so it's got achievements. It's on the Xbox Live service, but on your PC. Really? Yeah, uh, and it's free, so anybody can play it. And it takes place on the island of Hawaii, and you start off with a nice flying lesson telling you how to um, take off, fly around, go through some hoops. And then you once you've 
passed and got your pilot's license, you can do missions. Like, I had to do one yesterday where I had to get a passenger, pick him up in a private plane, take him... He wanted to go out for a burger on the other other side of Hawaii. He was like a rich guy. So I had to take him, fly him. It takes 45 minutes to fly him there, and it's in real time. 45 real minutes? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, So you fly him from one end of the island to the other. It uses Google uh, Bing Maps for all the topology, so it looks really amazing. And it's the real island of Hawaii. It integrates Bing Maps into the GPS. You can click the GPS in your plane and it brings up a real-time web page of where you are in Hawaii flying. And this is free? Yeah. So, Sheesh. Um, there's missions, there's acrobatics, there's different planes. Now, where you do have to pay is... Um, there is a pay thing. Of course. It's one of those freemium Micro things. Micro But let me tell you, the content that you get for free, plus all the achievements if you want to try and get them all, is massive. You could be playing it for weeks. Where you do have to pay, and the only thing you can really buy, is there's a, a pack for $20. It's a nineteen ninety nine pack. And what it does is it adds another three different places you can fly to. So it makes the game like five times bigger. Because it... You, you've got a very. You're just on the island of Hawaii. You can fly around it and over it, and you can visit all the places. So in, now they can have. They can make a whole. They other can go places, anywhere really yeah. with with it. So yeah, and you can buy actually different planes. Now the planes are really important in a flight game. Obviously, if you don't like a particular plane, you might need a different one. You get two planes for free. One's like a really awesome kind of, like a a very high tech new jet uh, kind of deal, like um. A Cessna or something, but like a really high-tech one. Cessna's like a little tiny plane. That's what I mean, a little tiny plane. Oh, you said a big jet. Private jet. Oh, is that what you call it? No, Cessna's a little tiny thing. Yeah, with a, with propellers. But really high-tech and new. That's not a Well, jet. not a jet then. Like a, <laughs> what do you call it? A plane? A propeller plane? Like new? Like a hydrofoil? It can land on water? It's no, really cool looking. It's called the Icon. I don't know who... It, may, it must be made by Icon. But it's really... It's obviously a... 2012 plane. It's a real plane that exists. And then the other free plane is like a really old bi-wing. The one where they strap people to, like Carl Pilkington was strapped to. That one. one propeller on the front. <laughs> right. You can't see very well when you're in it because there's all the kind that you see in old movies yeah, like yeah. Uh, King Kong. Red and Baron kind of thing. Yeah, so they're, they're the two planes you get to choose from. If you pay a little bit of money to buy new planes, each plane costs they've got, I think they've only got two more. But there's an actual jet, like a passenger jet, passenger jet and um, another kind of stunt-looking plane, like a stunt, you know, air show plane. Um, I highly recommend it. I mean, what can you lose? Just play the free part if you don't want to pay anything. Time, and that's what I've done. Time of your life. It's really fun. <laughs> the missions are really good. If you've got any interest in flight at all... Um, you can play it in the really, really complicated every keyboard on your keyboard does something mode, like a real flight simulator with a stick. You can play it in that way, or you can plug your Xbox 360 controller in, and there's a simplified mode where it's more like a console game. And it does all, you know, you can bring up your checklist. Which one did you do? I did kind of an in-between mode where um, I have some of the buttons on my keyboard do stuff, but use the controller to fly. Right. Works perfectly well. It was, I, it was really fun. It's like a compromise between a really hardcore flight simulator that nobody can get into because it's so complicated. You have to be able to fly a real plane to play it. It's like a compromise between that and a console game. So it's like in the middle. And you can make it as complicated as you want. You can make it so you have to 
turn on the engine, do all the flight checks, which is tons of different stuff, check all the instruments, do the GPS, radio the tower. You can do all that if you want to do, or you can press a button and have it all done automatically for you and just do the flying bit. So, Microsoft Flight. It's just called Flight, actually. Forget Microsoft. It's called Flight. That's the game. Go to microsoftflight.com. You can pick it up for free. You have to have a PC to play it. It's quite graphically demanding, so you need a decent video card. It probably wouldn't run on your laptop. I mean, it might, but it would have to be really low. You can play Sims 3 on there. Yeah, it's more graphically demanding than that. Think of like looking out of the plane and seeing everything in real satellite imagery. Hmm. It looks really good. Um, and the replays and everything. So yeah, flight. Um, another thing I checked out this week was the consumer preview of Windows 8. Just briefly on that. You can check it out yourself, actually. Go to microsoft.com slash Windows 8. There's a free ISO that you can download and install it on your PC. You What's can an e- ISO? You can burn it to a DVD and then load What's it on What's an ISO? ISO. Yeah, I don't know. It's an image file that you burn to a DVD and then you install it on your PC. Right, uh, I think a lot of people might not even know what that means. Right, so that's what you do. You go to Microsoft.com, download this ISO. It's about 3.6 gigabytes. You burn it to a DVD, put the DVD in your machine. It automatically runs. It says, do you want to upgrade from whatever you're using, Windows 7? You say yes, and it will... free ins- for how long? Two years, I believe. It's free until at least when it comes out, which is going to be a year, I think. No, it's going to be end of this year. Then, if you've been using it for two years, and... All of a sudden, what happens? It will not work. It will say you need to go and buy it. And how much is it going to cost? We don't fully know, but yet. But expect whatever Windows 7 costs These you. days, they need, to, they need to get over that, don't they? Yeah, so if you want to try it out, you can now. It's a fully functional. It's, it's a beta product. but um, it, I might try it on my laptop just to see what it's like. You can put it on there. Uh, it, it just... You know what? You don't even need to download and burn the ISO. You can just download the thing and double-click it, and then it says, we see you've got a Windows 7 laptop or Windows 7 computer. We're going to upgrade it. You wait half an hour, and then you've got Windows 8. Can you do, like, dual, so I don't have to get rid of my other... You can do dual as well. Even even says you can do that. Right. Instead of undoing what I've got done now just to try it out. Yep, you can do that. And it'll see everything else I've got. Uh, I think it just does a fresh... Like, it makes a partition and does a fresh... uh, Right. So it wouldn't see all your other stuff. Um, Might try it. But you can see what it looks like. Um, and You're not in love with it. I'm not in love with it. I, I did watch a full, thorough walkthrough of it, which was like an hour and a half long. Some of the guys from Tested showed you all the features that they'd found. There are some really cool features in there, but they're way too geeky to go into here. I love them. Some networking features, some there's some features, but they've removed the start menu. It bugs me to no end. There's no start menu anymore. There's just I'll bet, this... I told you, I'll bet you one million dollars they'll make it so somehow you can have that fact. Maybe not a, a menu across the bottom or a button, but there will be a tile or something that will give you the exact They're basically same obsessed with touchscreens at the moment, Microsoft. So this operating system, which is Windows, which is the next version of Windows, is mostly made for touchscreens. Yet... The guy who was demonstrating it from Microsoft said, oh, no, it works fine with a mouse as well. But every time he showed you it with a mouse, it looked like it... I kept saying to myself, yeah, it works with the mouse, but the touchscreen looks better. It looks better with a touchscreen. So it's going to be awesome on tablet PCs. It's going to be awesome on laptops with touchscreens. 
but most people don't have a one. laptop with a touch screen. I would totally be there for. Which there are there as long as I've got a keyboard and I can have a mouse so that I can edit images, I can write long things like articles, stories, or whatever I want. And then the easy quickness of a touch screen to get to things. If you combine all that, I'm cool with it. If you take away the keyboard and the mouse, I don't under. It's like dummying down the world. That's Most like saying of- you have no. All we want you to do is consume information. We don't want you to be creative or enter anything or do anything yourself. We just want to feed you information. Most of next year's laptops. Obviously, they'll all come with Windows 8. Will be touchscreen laptops. Yeah, it's something like all that. the manufacturers are going to be doing. Normal laptops will have a touchscreen, and that's not going to be a gimmick. Everything will, from that point onwards, sure. just have one because it'll be cheaper to make. The I can accept. One. I can accept that as long as I have the keyboard and mouse. And obviously, Microsoft are driving that industry. They're saying to all these PC manufacturers like HP, touchscreens are going to be popular. We're making our operating system for a touchscreen. You're going to all make touchscreen PCs. Even PCs will be touchscreen eventually because of because of Microsoft. I don't think it's the way to go. I'd, I've said to you before. It's great for some applications. It is. It's great for a laptop, actually, that you might have in the kitchen and you just sure. want to do, you know, click. With a, with a touchscreen, it's fine. But a desktop application where you, like this, where you literally have a PC, a keyboard, and a mouse, I don't see it. I don't want it there. I don't want to be touching that screen. I don't want to touch that screen. Yeah, I've got, yeah. like, a nice Sony monitor on my desk that's like a, like a big sheet of glass, right? It's really <laughs> nice looking. I don't want to be fingering that up all day, like running my fingers all over. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, exactly. So Windows 8, if you want to give it a try, it's windows8.com or windows8 or windows.com slash windows8. You'll, you'll be able to find it. Just go to windows.com. I also uh, made a little purchase this week called the PlayStation Vita. I didn't mention it last what week. What a shock. And I got <laughs> one this week. And I'm going to talk about it next week more because Good. I haven't fully experienced it and I said to you today tomorrow I'm going to sit down and play with all the features and and then what did I say to you? Uh, they're going offline for 24 PlayStation hours. Network is going down for 24 hours so tomorrow I might not be able to experience all the features but I will you talk You can't play with your PlayStation 3 even. I will talk about the PS Vita next week. Suffice to say the device itself the screen is incredible. It's the best screen I have ever seen on a portable device. It's vivid colours it's quite big. It's five inches compared to most others. Um, I sat it next to the PSP with the same kind of background. It's just so vivid. I've never seen anything like it. So it makes games look exceptional. Talking of games, I don't have any because the two games that I wanted were out of stock at Amazon. So I'm I wait- want Katamari. I'm waiting for those to Katamari come. Katamari on there would be I awesome. Do have the demo of, I do have the demo of Katamari. Ooh. And what the new deal is in Katamari is, for the first time ever, you can... It's got a back touch screen, the Vita. You can pull and roll him into a cigar shape instead of a ball. You can pull him out like that to make him longer to pick more things up. Right. So Why do you need the touch screen on the back for that? Well, that's how they've implemented it. You, you, drag, you drag across the back to stretch him. Right. But I've got the demo of Katamari. I've not had a look at it yet, but I have got the demo. So maybe look at that. Um, it's a really nice device, though. I have to admit. They Sony know how to make things. <laughs> they just don't know how to do things. And the thing is with Sony, <laughs> I've said to you, when I got my PSP, what, six years ago, I think it was 2005 or 2004, and I was, the first day I played Ridge Racer on it, I said to you, this is like something from the future. It is so advanced. Like, 
I can't believe that these graphics are on it. The graphics on the Vita, it's like playing a PS3 in your hand. It's 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 super powerful. There's no fan. It doesn't make a noise. It's does it get hot? How does that how does that happen? Why do we have to have Although, that? Although it did crash for you already. It did crash and that's the only time. And I think it was because I was downloading about 10 things off the PlayStation Store. And trying to do other stuff at the mm. same time. I, don't, I think it was just a glitch. But yeah, Although when you look it up, it's very common. It is, but it's never happened again. And I have done a lot of other stuff on it. In fact, we, fun yesterday, we were playing uh, some of the demos. One way you make fighters and you fight. <laughs> and you uh, scan your faces in. If you go on my Facebook page, you'll see some of our us in the game. Oh yes, mine is exactly like me. I was amazed by Austin's because the hair was... Yeah, the hair the in the line. game was almost his hair. Yeah. So it, I was like, wow, that's really good. So, uh, yeah, that's the PS Vita. I'll talk about it more next week. And this week, there will be a small game called Mass Effect 3. comes out on Tuesday. I know you've never heard of Mass Effect 3. (laughs) Nobody's waiting for it. But I will be playing it this week, and I will tell you what I think about it next week. So, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? What is for dinner will be... Oh, I hate it when people do that. Repeat the question. Yes. So, cut that out, would you? Because I'm reading it off of a thing, so that's why I said it. Tofu, which will be sort of stir-fried, with vegetables in a tomato-almond mushroom sauce. Oh, that sounds good. That I have invented. It is fantastic. I wanted to make it sound Sounds kind of posh. Sounds a little posh, but it isn't really. <laughs> it's got ragu sauce out of a jar. It's got almond milk out of a regular almond breeze milk. And some mushrooms on sale. Is it from Boulevard? Oh, and cookies from Boulevard Cafe. Yes, and I'm going to make the Heritage Select Jambalaya flavored rice, which you love. I do love that. And for dessert, I'm bought, in honor of this movie, London Boulevard. You're saying it the way. Boulevard. (laughs) In our town, we have a street called Missouri Boulevard. And on that street is a little place called Boulevard Cafe. Owned and operated by a young girl who's only in high school, and it is her senior project yeah, to run a business and to see if it is sustainable using as much, as close to 100% of organic and local, nah, not local because it's coffee, local. but as much organic and mindful products as she can, and I bought some almond cookies from there for our and, um and the some re- energy bars, but those won't be for You've dessert. got awesome parents if your yeah. well, project... parents happen to own the health food store yeah. right across but the But still, hall. if they allow yeah, you absolutely. to do that. Because it is a really nice building. I love it. It is. Nice little place. Yeah, and... I mean, it's big. It's a big place with couches in it, and yeah. it's nice. Tables, and I mean, yeah, it's a nice little place. Pretty and good I, So project. I like to go in there and put a little bit of cash in her drawer. And uh, we got the red velvet cupcake, which was gluten-free, delicious. And uh, that's it. And this week, another topic is the painting that I've been working on for my niece. If you've followed me on Twitter this week, you've probably seen it. Right. It is now complete, and I love it, and I love painting. Now, that being said, I don't do paintings that I don't know how to describe them or anything. I'm not taught. I don't know. I've never learned how to paint or anything like that. But how would you describe this painting that I did? Black and white. In your style, which because <laughs> I'm looking at a, paint, a yeah. picture on the wall that you did here. Because I draw mostly. I do ink drawings, and my drawings aren't even... I mean, we're not talking about you're going to look and go, oh, what a beautiful picture of a, a horse or something. I draw no. sort of... Abstract. Lines obsess me. It's not abstract, because an abstraction is you take an idea, abstract the concept, and then put it back. My, 
mine are non-representational. There's nothing there. It's not something. That's what I'm... Like, that is. That actually is there. Mm-hmm. The one on the wall. It's a misconception that things that just aren't something are abstract. Because an abstraction is... It is something. But to the abstraction of an idea or an image put expressed in a different way. Some of my things are this. I get a pen. I have a piece of paper. I start making a line. And then I make another line, and then I make another line, and eventually it becomes either something or nothing. It just is what it is. And this painting had a few elements that she wanted, flowery but not too flowery. She wanted my lines, mostly black and white. It does have some shades of gray on there. It's big. How big would you say it is? Like 40 inches by 24 or something like that. It's long and skinny. Yeah, it's as big as one of the movies. Yeah, it's a little bit, it might be, a little bit narrower than that, but um... Yeah, I love it, and I think I'm going to do smart. My other niece also rec- uh, requested. She sent me images of things like microscopic images of genes and chromosomes and germs and things, and that's exactly the kind of a, like synapses all connected together. And I look at trees and limbs and see the. I like all that. That's what lines of and um, what's it called in between the negative space. That all stuff just. That's what I love, and so I'm, I'm going to move on to those next. Nice. So I love the process. It uh, makes me very satisfied. And then my advice for the week is never hide your breakfast under your desk. Good okay? advice. Now, to go with that... That's the only advice you should... In, in life, that's oh. it. Never hide your breakfast under your desk. Now, to go with that is this. Dignity is real, Right? Your dignity, your presentation of yourself and your own self-dignity is real. But someone's perceived self-importance that comes with a job title, it's a delusion. It isn't real. So when I see a coworker, I'm a supervisor and I have people on my shift. I see a coworker. She has her breakfast. We work early. We go to work at 6.45 a.m. We work till 7 p.m. We're there for 12 hours. We don't have desks. We don't have our own area. We don't have anything. We share a big work area. Um, and so by 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, we've been up a few hours and you might not have had time to get your breakfast. So my coworker bring, goes to the cafeteria, brings her breakfast. And when she sees, quote, unquote, a big wig coming... We are in a room with big windows. We're sort of like a people zoo. You can see in <laughs> when you walk past. Um, so we're on display. And she she scrambles to to close her breakfast box. And, and, and then she's squatting and, and bending to get her, her breakfast shoved under our desktop somehow to sort of hide it away. Because these big wigs are coming around the corner. And I find that... I don't fault her for it. I fault anyone who gives you the impression that they're so fucking important that if you have your breakfast sitting in front of you when you're at work, that you can't continue to eat your breakfast as they walk past. Mm. They can kiss my big fat butt. No one is so important that you have to Charming. hide your breakfast <laughs> under your desk. It just jumped out at me like this. Really? R- really? Who are you? What is your, our job isn't, we're not presented to the public. We're not like, we're not, I'm not a bank teller slopping my breakfast while a customer comes up. I understand that relationship. It's different. We are tucked away in a basement, in a data center, in a locked room behind secure doors where you put your fingerprint and only a handful of people are allowed in there. 
we're not we're not interacting with anyone except ourselves and machines and computers and then occasionally these big wigs like to come through and see where their money's gone and and whatever people on the phone Pardon? I'm people on the phone. You're interacting with Yeah, them. exactly. You speak to people on the phone. But again, they don't give a shit if you get your breakfast as long as you're not chomping into the phone. But the concept that you need to rattle in your shoes and worry and, 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 and tidy yourself up and, and sit up straighter because some jack-off is coming around the corner who's wearing a suit and wants to bellow out orders or thinks of themselves as... I don't know. I I don't get it. I'm... I can be an elitist. I understand this. I can be a snob about a lot of things. But that just really captured my, like, really. So if you're a boss in your mind or your title demands that you be a boss of people and you ever see someone scurrying to, I don't know, hide something from you. I don't mean like they're trying to hide porn on the internet. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. But I mean, this is the simplest thing is, oh, we're not supposed to have our cup of coffee here. And then they... Right. You know, whatever. To they're so worried about your, ugh. and so that's just my advice: don't hide your breakfast under your desk. <laughs> All right, so that's good advice. <laughs> advice to live by. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny because our room now is we call it the pod. <laughs> so yeah. I want to remind you about our website, aschoolie.com, sidtor.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook. If you want a chance at winning a copy of The Descendants on DVD featuring George Clooney. You're just looking straight in my eye. I, don't, I can't win it. Just go to aschoolie.com <laughs> on Monday and you can I'm enter. I'm disqualified, I'm assuming. Anyone associated You're, you with You are this disqualified. <laughs> Uh, you can enter to win a copy of The Descendants. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, Zoom Marketplace, the Vita now. You can catch me on. Or the 3DS. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or just go to com, click on the word podcast, and you can subscribe through any RSS reader, including my favorite, Google Reader. That's my favorite. You can also That's the only e- one I've ever used. email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyay.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not want to hear your shite. And finally, I want to say stay classy, Mr. Colin Farrell. Underrated. Yeah. Is think- it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had his share of Hollywood blockbuster and crap. And crap. And bad performances. However. I do like him. There are moments, man, in this movie that he just... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm he does convinced. carry. He does. Yeah, he I'm convinced. Um, and you can email me if, once again, you're an industry person who knows the the back story and the backside of <laughs> backside the backside of the Oscar process. Uh, and I'm going to say, think for yourself, people, because if you don't do it, someone's already doing it for you and expecting you to hide your freaking breakfast under your desk. And see you next week for our review of Columbus Circle. Da 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 da